we are starting a little two or three week series uh, I think it'll be three weeks um, where we're going to talk I guess about who we are as a church what is it that we value who is it that God has called us to be we as a as a church I think four years ago did a vision and values exercise and there was a huge big paper put together and when I first arrived I asked if there was a vision paper or anything and everybody went oh I think there's one somewhere in a drawer or something which is what every church in the world tends to do we spend lots of time and we get lots of great ideas and we invest time and energy in asking this question who has God called us to be in this place in this time and we write it all up and then it finds its way into a drawer and unfortunately all too often never finds its way out again but about six months ago the leadership team started a conversation about what would it be to have something that if we were saying who is Portobello Baptist Church we could begin to express that in a way that made sense and for us it became really critical that we didn't just have a document that we put in a in a drawer and it also had to be something that made sense that wasn't just some great big pie in the sky thing. I, I, I know a church once that their vision was we will be a church of 500 people. That's all they said. Like there was no sense of how they were going to get there or whatever. It was almost like just some name it and claim it faith statement. We're going to say this and hopefully it will happen. You'd be unsurprised to find out it didn't happen. <laughs> So what does it look like? And I know as well that some of you are sitting there, and as soon as we start talking about this sort of thing, there's a little eye roll going on, right? You go, oh, here we go again, or, oh man, what does this have to do with anything? I think this really matters because it allows us to begin to state who we are and who we want to be. It allows us to express, not only to ourselves, but to the world outside us, who we are and who we want to be. And if we were doing this, and the leaders had been thinking about this for months, and we were saying, right, we're going to be something completely other than we've ever been before, then this wouldn't be the place to tell you about it. We would be standing in a church meeting, having a conversation. What do you think about this? But what's really encouraging to me is that while we might have some fresh language today that you haven't heard before, there's nothing new in this. This is simply almost a re-expression of what God has already been doing in our church for the best part of a decade now. So we're not going to talk about vision and values. We're going to talk about having a purpose and some practices okay so it's still alliterative it's not V's it's P's but it, this matters because our what we're going to talk about as our purpose is exactly that it's, it's this question why do we exist why is Portobello Baptist Church here and it's not just because there were some incredibly insightful forefathers who, who, who smartly a hundred years ago bought this building and therefore we have managed to maintain a church here. There's something more. Why has God put us here? What is our purpose? And we're going to talk today exclusively about our purpose. Um, I did actually have pictures. There we go. Purpose. What's our direction? Where are we going? How are we getting there? 
And that how are we getting there is really what the practice has become. What's the path that we're going to walk on to fulfill this purpose? Because one of the problems with vision and values is they go in the drawer. But the other thing is they sometimes become so intangible that we've got, we don't actually know how to do this stuff. So we were really keen to have some practices that we say, these are things we do as a church. And as we do them, we are working out our purpose. Does that make sense? That's what we want to do. So what is our purpose? There we go. Loving God and loving others. I mean, it's super original. I mean, nobody's ever thought that before. But we're a church. The church has been around 2,000 years. If we have an original thought, it's probably heresy. Loving God and loving others. It, of course, comes from the Scriptures. Matthew chapter 22. If you've got your Bible with you, you might want to turn with me to that or on your phone or however you're reading today. We're going to look at a couple of passages. Matthew 22, verse 36. 34, sorry. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, in other words, this one particular Jewish sect that Jesus had managed to speak to them in such a way that they were confounded. They didn't know what to say to any more of them. They were astonished at his teaching. The Pharisees, another group of Jewish leaders, got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now let me give you a little bit of context. They know the answer to this question because they're all very well aware, as we'll see in a moment, that the first commandment, the most important commandment, actually comes from what the Jews called the Shema, which is in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole strength, your whole mind. Right? That's, that's the Shema. And Jews would repeat that multiple times a day. So the answer is already known. But what they're trying to get at is, well, of these other laws, what order do we put them in? How do we... Because we can't always keep them. For example, if my neighbor's donkey falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, should I honor the Sabbath and leave my neighbor's donkey in the ditch? Or should I love my neighbor and break the Sabbath by lifting his donkey out? So the question is, which is more important? What order do they go in? Does that make sense? So they know the first answer, but they're looking for, I'm going to trick you up because you're going to say something and then we'll jump on you. And Jesus says this to this tricky question. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he might have just gone, of course. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two. Jesus has taken two ideas, one from Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God, the Shema, and the second from Leviticus chapter 19, love your neighbor, and he's put them 
together. Okay? There's actually one little Hebrew phrase that doesn't appear very often in the Old Testament, but actually is in both of those statements. And so Jesus has lifted them out and put them together and said, these two sit together. Now the problem we have, I think, is that we sometimes do this when we think about it. We go, right, so what are the greatest commandments? Number one, love the Lord your God. That's the number one one. We must get that right. And then number two is love others. But Jesus is not doing that. Jesus is saying, I've got these two commandments here. Love God and love others. So we do this sometimes. Hierarchy. That's not what Jesus is saying. He hasn't said, number one is this, number two is this. He's explicitly said they're together. And the way that he says this, if we could use a colloquialism, I think it would say, when he says, and the second is like it, we might say, and the second's cut from the same piece of cloth. They're not not hierarchical. They're, They're together. They're the same. The other thing we do is we sometimes separate them. And church throughout history has been really bad at this. So we talk about we're going to love God. And we'll go away and we'll think about loving God. And then another day, we'll think about loving others. And we'll think about what that looks like. And Jesus doesn't allow us that either. Because he's put the two together. So the idea that you can love God without loving others... Is a nonsense. So we have to put, hold these things together, not as a hierarchy, not one on top of the other, not we love God first and then we can think about loving others, but side by side. Love God and love others. But you'll notice I've changed the words because Jesus doesn't use the word others, he uses the word neighbors. Now, there's a reason for that just in practicality, which is that most people have no idea that neighbor means something other than the person that happens to live in the flat beside you or the house beside you. But actually, Jesus has asked that question, isn't he, in Luke chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. One of the most famous parables in the entire Bible. On one occasion, an expert in the law... See, this is why we never trust lawyers, because there's both two, two stories today, and it's the experts in the law that are a problem. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So the guy's got the right answer. You answer correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. That's the lawyer. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Because that becomes the profound question, doesn't it? If, if we're going to use this word of neighbor, it's who's that? And of course, Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the prodigal prodigal son, of the Good Samaritan, where we discover that the one person who's not expected to help the man is the one who does it. And the question then is, who is your neighbor? It's everyone. There's no one excluded. Your enemy is your neighbor. Your friend is your neighbor. The one who is like you is your neighbor. And the one who is unlike you is your neighbor. In other words, it's others. Anyone other than ourselves. 
And so as a church, when we think about how we're going to live and express our purpose, this is what we're going to talk about. We are a church who is interested in loving God and loving others. Not as two separate things, but as one thing. And that will cause us to do difficult things. It means that we are going to have to engage with the other, whoever the other has to be. We can't just sit in here in these four walls and be happy with it. We spoke uh, three, four weeks ago now about poverty. Do you remember that sermon where we, where we thought about what, what does it mean that we have the poor among us? And I know a whole lot of us were really quite moved by that, particularly thinking about the kind of statistics that we know exist. Uh, in our own city here. And so actually, we need to get our hands dirty, church. Yes, we will have our basket. Yes, I want to continue to encourage us evermore to be bringing food in for Edinburgh City Mission. We are going to collect food. We're going to do more of that, and we'll keep doing that. But we're going to have to get our hands dirty. What about our own people in our own community here? Who do we know? Who do you know that could be doing with just having some food dropped off anonymously at the door? Who, who do you know that actually we need to help them find a way out of the debt that they're stuck in? Who do you know that is just broken right now and has nowhere to go? Can we get involved there? Who do you know that is so complicated that if they came along to a Sunday service, you'd be anxious about how they would behave? Those are the people that we have to go to. That's what it means to love God and love others. Oh, we are going to worship. Oh, we are going to sing. Oh, we are going to pray. Oh, we are going to rejoice with one another. Oh, we are going to mourn with one another. We will do those things. But we have also, this calls us to be with those outside. The process of us getting to this four, five words, we started off with something completely different. We started off sitting down and we said this, the strap line that we were looking at was joining God in the renewal of all things. That was the one that we were playing around with because that's the one I brought and said, this is what I want us to be about. It's a strap line that's used by loads of churches around the world now. The first one I heard of it was my friend in LA and I love it. It's beautiful. It captures so much of who I hope we are as a church. But we were taking something from somewhere else. And we really felt like God was saying, no, there's something else here. There's something different, something for this place, this time, this community. And this is where we landed. This and eight purposes that we'll talk about over the next two weeks, that talk about how we will live together, how we will live towards the community outside, how we will join God on his mission. We will do all those things. But one of the bits that we've put at the top of it says trusting in God. And that's the key to it all. See, I don't want you to hear today, there's a great big new fancy strap line and it's cool and it's great and it's dead exciting and we're going to talk about loving God and loving others and it sounds like an awful lot of hard work. No. No. We've been talking about these unforced rhythms of grace. If this comes to you as a weight... I have got it very wrong, and I'm sorry. 
what we are called to do is trust God. And trust that in his power, in his strength, we are, will be able to be a community that is loving God and loving others. And in that way, maybe we can play our tiny part in seeing Portobello transformed and seeing people come to love Jesus, which is really what it's all about, right? I desperately want to see more people come to love Jesus. I wish that we never bothered putting these lids back down on our baptistry tank because we had to use it all the time. There's no point putting it away. We'll use it again next week. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't it be great that we were having church meetings to say, listen, it's too busy on a Sunday morning. What are we going to do? Well, brothers and sisters, it doesn't happen if we don't figure out a way for us to love God and love others together. Are you with me? That was almost a loud, raucous response for the way that we normally do it. Do you know what? It's going to take loads of prayer. And some of this is already true because there's a whole lot of this where we already love God. And some of this is not yet true. Because there's aspiration of where we want to be. But you know what's great? That's okay too. Because God knows we're none of us are a finished product. None of us have arrived. We were talking about discipleship in our leaders meeting on Wednesday night. And one of the key things we said was this. We will never reach an age when we don't have to keep trying to grow in Jesus. You know, we think about our youth upstairs and we're excited about seeing what God's doing in them and how they're growing and becoming what they are. I spent years working with students and it was a privilege to see them because they're just at this age where they're soaking everything in and they're, they're desperate to be more holy or to understand more about the Bible. But I'll tell you what, I'm a 43-year-old man and I'm not sure I'm as hard after that stuff now as I was when I was 23 because life crashes in and life's difficult and all of that stuff and there's lots of good reasons but this begins to challenge me to say I I can't sit still I've got to keep pressing, God's got more to do in me and you're all like yeah you're dead right he does has more to do in each one of us you know whether that's the youngest in our church or the oldest God is not finished with us ever ever and wouldn't it be exciting to see God begin to do more new stuff in us as we walk towards figuring out what it is for us to love God and love others together I'm going to pray for us, if that's okay. Uh, What a daft question, right? I mean, who's going to say, no, no praying after that? Just before I pray, um, some of you will be saying, oh, can we read all this? And the answer is yes. So at the end, uh, on our third day, we're going to have a little book for everybody to take away that you can take away and look through. And we're going to have, this is going to start appearing all over the place on things that we do and stuff we talk about. 
because that's how we begin to, it begins to be our culture, it begins to be who we are. So we'll have some stuff for you in a couple of weeks that you can take away. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you are not done with us. You are never done with us. That, you, that we are never a finished article or indeed an abandoned article. We are always, always someone that you have your eye upon. And as your church, we absolutely know that you are with us. So Lord God, our Father, we hold all that I've spoken about before you lightly. As a leadership, as a church, to say we believe this is what you're calling us to. Would you lead us into this? Would you strengthen us in this? Would you empower us in this? Would you equip us in this? And we join with the prayer that is so often prayed in Acts. Give us courage, Lord. Give us courage. Be with us. Be the center of all we do, Lord. And lead us on. In Jesus' name. Amen.